Hey, 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 what's going on, folks? Welcome back to another edition of the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here, as always. It's Tuesday, so it's Waiver Wire Day. Um, this is going to be a short podcast because I have a brief moment um, of silence while the construction site has, um, they're moving a big thing of rocks right now. So I have about a half hour till they get back and start reloading that truck. Thankfully, we are nearing the end of this project. Uh, if it's been annoying for you, just think think about what it's been like for me. Um, but uh, Lost in the Supermarket was the music coming in from The Clash because it is not a good day for free agent shopping. Um, it's a little tough out there, uh, and we'll get into that. I'll do the best I can for you. Um, but uh, before we get into this, just a brief word um, on trade advice. I'm getting a lot of trade questions on Twitter. And some of you may have noticed I'm a little bit sheepish when it comes to giving trade advice. Uh, there are a number of reasons for this. But let me just start with myself and what it takes for me to make a trade of my own. Very rarely is it a flippant thing where I get an offer and I accept it, unless somebody's sending me an offer, you know, <laughs> yeah, an offer you just can't refuse kind of thing, okay? And if I do do a quick accept, I'm doing it with knowledge of the league in question, right? So for me, generally speaking, if I'm making a deal, one of the first things I've done is completely scoured the roster grid in the league we're talking about. I've learned the strengths and the weaknesses of the team. I know if there's people with surplus at various positions. I understand the general dynamic. As they say in chess, I'm seeing the whole board, right? I also know the ins and outs of the scoring system. I know the tendencies of the owners. I know a lot, okay? Now, somebody comes up to me on Twitter, I'm in the middle of something, they want my attention to give them some help on a trade. Hey, I just got this offer, what do you think? Uh, oftentimes there's no scoring, oftentimes I don't see the roster, oftentimes I don't know the makeup of the league, and you know, the scoring, there's so much that I don't know. I don't know the record, I don't know the records of the other teams, and that's a big factor. You know, you could say, well, I'm three and three. But you could be in a league with a bunch of five and ones and a bunch of you know one and fives, right? It, it, so much goes into you know should I be dealing and if I'm dealing I should be doing X Y and Z. So I am an uptight trader with my own stuff. I'm tight fisted for the most part, unless there's a reason. I'm also very aggressive at times. I'm you know I'm a horses for courses kind of trader. And you know the thing is I I'm very uncomfortable giving somebody trade advice, which I think is very important but not putting in the type of time on that advice that I would put in on a trade of my own. So it's just, we're into that, we get into that kind of area where I'm simply not in a position to help you the way I want to help you. And I just think it's important that you guys understand that. Understand the limitations of the value of my trade advice. I think primarily what I can do is help you from doing something that's really not good. You know, like I, I there's been a number of times where I've said, oh wait, yeah, don't do that. I don't like that. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't love it. Like, for me, I'm not a big lateral trade guy. For me to shake my team up, I have to feel like I'm profiting, and I need to be, I need to be able to see why. So, you know, just for what it's worth, try to take my trade advice in that vein. And understand, I am not trying to dis discourage you guys in any way um, from asking, you know, questions about trades and stuff like that. Just try to understand the scope of my limitations uh, in that type of exchange. Okay, let's get onto the waiver wire. I'm going to try to get you guys out of here in under 30 minutes. We'll see if I can do it. Um, we're going to start with the QBs. 
So what I've tried to do with the QBs this week, and you'll see it when you read the article, um, each quarterback is listed in order of what I perceive their rest of season value to be. But for those of you who are looking at streamers, I've added a lot of extra quarterbacks this week, and I've got in parentheses after the player, I've got their matchup for this week. So if you're if you're there for streamers, the scheduling is there for you. If you're there for rest of season, uh, I've got them sort of ordered in that way. Okay, because I know I know quarterbacks are you know a lot of QBs on the waiver wire this week because everybody's stocking up on the scarcity positions. Um, so, you know, not a whole lot to say because we have talked about these guys uh, really <laughs> till we're blue in the face. But, you know, Herbert uh, finally is getting some good matchups. Uh, obviously, this guy can run. They're throwing downfield. We like him, and he's got the Jaguars this week. Uh, Andy Dalton, um, I did not see all of the debacle last night, so I don't know exactly how bad it was uh, because I knew I had a lot of work to do this morning. Um, so I went, I, went, I went to bed at halftime. So uh, I know it looked really awful for the part I saw. Um, but listen, <laughs> and I know, look, I think fantasy-wise Dalton's going to probably be pretty good. Um, but not Dak. I think he's going to be like 80% of Dak or something like that. Dalton doesn't have Dak's, you know, Dalton is a somewhat athletic quarterback, but not as athletic as Dak Prescott. He's got a decent arm, but not as good an arm as Dak Prescott. Uh, and the thing that Dalton lacks that Prescott, to some extent, has... It's interesting, too, because if you go three years ago, this is actually a lot closer than people probably realize. But the thing about Dak Prescott, and we've talked about that on this show, is that every year, Dak takes one step forward. And now we've been here long enough where Dak Prescott's taken, you know several steps from his college game. He's a, he's a much better quarterback now, and he is throwing the ball with some anticipation. You will see him throwing some guys open. Very rarely will you see Andy Dalton doing that. Dalton has always lacked nuance, not just in his ability to see the game. I'm not even sure if he does lack nuance there. He lacks nuance in terms of the throws he's capable of making. Dalton is really bad at throwing the ball to places where the receiver is not yet unless it's just a straight timing route right and he is really not good at dropping the ball in on levels he doesn't feather the ball at all okay he's you know he's a see it and hit it kind of quarterback now he can hit open men and Dallas is a, you know Dallas is an offense where they can run the ball and they can get their receivers open and they've got you know three very strong receivers plus a few extra receivers who are good plus they've Managed to replace their tight end with a guy who's functional. So this is an offense where there will be players open unless they're just scheming really poorly and they don't. So Dalton should be okay. But it's going to be some percentage of Prescott, 80, 70% of the points, which, you know, look at the points Dak was putting up. So to me, Dalton is still going to be pretty good. I wouldn't get scared off. Um, uh, Derek Carr is the next guy up. We've been talking about this, but now they've got rugs back. They're getting all their guys back. So now they're going to have like five receivers that are healthy. Uh, they've got a ground game. Uh, this is a well-schemed offense, and they are getting Carr to be more aggressive. Now, he's still missing throws. You can sort of still, you can still see Carr sort of like, <clears throat> you know, it's funny because he was sort of an aggressive quarterback in college, but over the, the early part of his career, they really tamped down the aggression and turned him into, you know, a, a nickel and dimer. Um, and now he's, tr you know, Gruden, you can see, is trying to sort of break him out of that um, restrictiveness. And Carr, there's some resistance. You can see it on some of these throws. But 
and it's interesting. It's sometimes the ones where he just needs to let it fly. He's doing fine on. It's those those deep intermediate throws where he's still sort of like, oh man, I don't feel right about this. You can almost see it in his body language sometimes. But he's getting better. Um, and I've always been sort of a person who thinks Carr gets sort of a bad rap. I'm not a big fan, but I'm not a detractor. Um, and, you know, maybe someday they find a quarterback who can completely unlock this offense. They probably will. But for now, the rest of this year, Carr's the guy. Uh, and I think he's going to continue to be good. Nothing great, but good. Uh, and he can be a quarterback, I think. Um, and real quickly, while I'm saying that, I'm just going to pull up their schedule. Because I, I know, you know, this week he's got the Bucks, which is not a great matchup. Um, but then Cleveland, which is not bad. Uh, the Chargers, which is not great, but then Denver, KC, Atlanta, the Jets, uh, Colts, uh, Dolphins week 16. So there's you are going to have weeks where starting Carr is fine. And because of Gruden, Carr is usable in non-plus matchups. So, you know, I'm a Carr guy. What can I tell you? Uh, it's not a fanboy thing. I just, you watch this team play, and I, I think they're pretty good. Um, uh, Baker Mayfield, we, we, we have to make sure Mayfield is healthy. Um, but it sounds like he's not going to be on the injury report this week, based on what I'm hearing. We can keep sort of following up on that. But the bottom line is he's sort of a rest of the season play. Um, Bengals this week, so obviously that's great if he plays. Raiders next week, Texans week 10, Eagles, Jacksonville, Jets and Giants in the playoffs. So there's, I think there's a lot of reasons to roster Baker Mayfield, um, depending on your league dynamics. Teddy Bridgewater, very similar. Like Carr, Mayfield, Dalton, Bridgewater, Cousins. These guys are all very similar. I think any one of them are really good QB2 options. Um, let me see. Um, Bridgewater's got a tough matchup this week um, with the Saints, but there are some plus matchups on the schedule going forward. Uh, Cousins is on the bye this week, so you know he's there purely for rest of the season value. And look, Cousins, Cousins he might be a little bit of a Bortles where he just screws his team into oblivion in the first half, but th there's so many weapons there. Once they get in throw mode, he's going to throw himself back into a decent fantasy day more often than not. Um, Minshew, the thing with Minshew is that he needs the weapons. Like I think part of Minshew's value is that he's a get-the-ball-out smart kind of quarterback, and he's got places to get that ball out too. If you start taking those away, he becomes more of a limited quarterback. Um, so, you know, Minshew I like, but I want everybody healthy for him. If Shark is out, I don't want to play Minshew. I, I really don't. Um, but, you know, the thing about Minshew that, for me, and we've talked about this, the, the, the good part of his schedule has passed. There's a couple good matchups the rest of the way, but there's dangerous matchups too. Like, Green Bay is sort of a dangerous matchup. It's not a tough one, but, I mean, Pittsburgh, Cleveland... Tennessee, Baltimore, the Bears. There, there's a lot of weeks where I'm not going to want to play Minshew. So um, I would be specific about your, you know, the weeks you're going to need him when you look at him. If your quarterback's got a buy on week 11, I don't think he's so great. If your quarterback's got a buy, um, you know, this week, not so great against LA. So um, you know, Minshew, just check out the schedule before you. Uh, pick him up. Um, Garoppolo gets the Patriots this week. Now that's compelling. I don't know if I'd want to use him there or not. Um, but the, at the bottom line at this point, I think it's pretty obvious they need Garoppolo there. Uh, and he's got some playable games uh, the rest of the way, particularly the playoffs. Uh, I mean, that's the thing about Garoppolo to me is, you know, I'd like him as my second or third quarterback if I've got the roster space. And then if this offense does click, you know, if, if Kittle stays healthy, if Ayuk stays healthy, if Debo Samuel stays healthy, 
I think they'll be a hot knife through butter by the time they get to their playoff schedule, which is Washington football team, Cowboys, and Arizona. Hey, how you doing? So if you've got a crappy quarterback position and you're going to be streaming all the way through, I think but you're a playoff team, hiding Garoppolo for those playoff weeks might not be the worst idea. Um... Daniel Jones is down the list because I just think the Giants look god-awful. Kyle Allen is a functional quarterback, very smart quarterback with no arm talent. Um, Drew Locke, the schedule's a little bit up and down. I think if he can get settled in uh, and get Fant back and and, and get that offense clicking, I think he's a guy you can play in plus matchups. Foles, same kind of thing, need plus matchups. Um, and then the last guy I have on the list, I may add some more stuff if I think of anything. Uh, but uh, Tua is just still there because they're going into the bye. I, I mean, I don't know how they pull Fitzpatrick at this point. It makes all the sense in the world to let the rookie continue to watch the veteran and prepare with the veteran uh, and protect um, Tua's injury. You know, I think at some point if Fitzpatrick starts melting down, obviously they will make a change. But to me, if I'm the Dolphins, the goal this year is to get to a some playing time and have him 100% healthy at the end of the year so he can be my quarterback forever. Um, you know, we'll see how they handle that. I'm not sure what their thinking is. But I think having Tua rostered in a 2QB league, if he's been let go during the bye, just in case they decide to make the switch, um, is an interesting choice. Obviously, if you're rolling with Fitzpatrick um, in a shallow 2QB format, at some point, if the team with Tua gets a little itchy trigger finger, we're in the buys now, this could be a time where he gets released. You pick up both of them and you've, you've, you've solved the problem. Okay, let's move down to the running backs. we got to pick up the pace here. Now, there's definitely some action at RB this week. I don't know if one single guy really stands out above the crowd, you know, for various reasons. Uh, you know, we're dealing with injuries in a lot of these situations. Obviously, that's why these guys tend to pop at this time of the season. So really, the value on a lot of these players is going to have a lot to do with when the injured player comes back, right? So, you know, Justin Jackson's at the top of my list uh, on the Chargers, and you can look at Josh Kelly, too. I think probably these guys are going to be splitting it, you know, somewhere between 50-50 and 60-40 could sort of go in either direction. I sort of prefer Jackson. I just think he's a better all-around back. Kelly obviously has size, speed, uh, and some passing down ability. He's been fumbling. Uh, And, you know, look, I'm really... I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I think this guy's got the ability to have a big game at any time. But he is a guy who, in my opinion, just doesn't make anybody miss. That's that's sort of the thing. He's he's more of a speed you know bull guy than uh, a guy who's going to use fancy footwork to get in and out um, of situations, particularly inside. Speed and power is his game. Um, whereas Jackson, I think you know, is has a little bit more in terms of vision. I think he's a little bit more um, of an inside runner in the NFL from a skill perspective so you know from and I also think um, they're both in the same general range as receivers Uh, so to me I I like Jackson more but it really ultimately it's going to be about what these coaches think Um, Jackson did get the better of it last time out I'm going to keep him above Kelly but if you're hurting for a running back this week either one of them could help you and they're both owned below 50% on Yahoo which is sort of weird Uh, now Maybe a better option than both this week. And you guys know I love Boston Scott, but Boston Scott's going to probably get the start for the Eagles. He will probably play uh, the most of the backs they have. 
okay? But, you know, th there is some doubt in terms of what this thing will actually be. Uh, there are other backs to consider, like Corey Clement uh, and Jason Huntley. So, I mean, you never know when you're going to get a curveball. Um, so, you know, there, there's, you know, there's some, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, you never know. But to me, Boston Scott's the obvious play here. He's second on the depth chart. He's going to be playing against the Giants, a team that he lit up last year. So uh, I think Scott, you know, had sort of a, you know, a bad beat the first time he got the gig this year because he got hurt during the game. Clement ended up doing a lot. Um, but I think it's going to be Scott's gig, um, and it's up to him to go out and perform. And I think against the Giants, he can. Um, and there are other guys to talk about here. Um, I, I will put these into an, a final order on the wire, but these guys are all very close. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I'm going to talk about him first on the 49ers because I went back and looked at his original timeline. He's a guy who could be back as early as this week. Certainly, I think next week is in play. Um, so with Mostert out multiple weeks, at least three, maybe more, um, he's dealing with mo more injuries than one now because I really doubt that that MCL thing is 100%. Um, so they're probably going to take Mostert and shut him down long enough to get him right because he's an important player for them. Um, so the you know whatever back looks like the lead back going into a given week for the 49ers is an important player who can be started as an RB2. So it could be Coleman, right? It could be Jarek McKinnon. It could be Jermichael Hasty, who's available everywhere, who I think is a great pickup this week. This week, I think we're looking... And Jeff Wilson's another guy. If you're in a deep enough league, Jeff Wilson, even though he's a little dinged up. Like, this week is probably going to be a 50-50 split, or, or, you know, probably like a 40-40-20, or maybe... Maybe a 50-40-20. Like, I think McKinnon's going to get 50-60% to 60 of the juice. And then if if Wilson is healthy enough, he'll come in second. If Wilson is, if Wilson is dinged, he'll be there as the emergency back. And Hasty will come in and get 40-ish percent of the action, something like that. So we really don't know yet how this is going to break out. <clears throat> and we won't really know because it's the freaking 49ers. But I think we can make a reasonable prediction based on practices and stuff like that. So I think what we want to do is if any of these 49er backs are available and you're in a mid-sized to deepish league, pick them up and hopefully end up with a play. Um, uh, Gus Edwards is going to be talked about on a lot of waiver wires this week. The issue, though, is... Even if Ingram's out for the rest of the year, Edwards might still be in a timeshare. So you have to factor that in. But the other thing is the Ravens are on the bye this week. So, um, you know, we have to sort of figure out, like, Ingram needs to be dinged up enough to keep him out multiple games or this isn't really a thing. But the other side of the coin is that Edwards has been getting the most touches. So I think in deeper leagues, Edwards should be owned. I think he's a stash in mid-sized leagues because, I mean, at some point, they may do the right thing and actually decide on a running back. I've talked about this more. You know what? You guys know what I think about the Ravens' backfield. I'm not going to waste your time on that one. Um, I talked about it last week, the week before. I think I talked about it on the DFS pod and on the show Sunday morning. So, you know, look, I think the Ravens need to make a commitment to a running back. Leave it at that. Um... Let me see anybody else here. J.D. McKissick is an absolute pain in the ass, but in PPR leagues, they look, they can't quit J.D. McKissick. I don't know why. The Giants game was a perfect game to give Gibson some run. They didn't do it. Um, they could have gotten themselves into an overtime to get everybody more touches. They decided to go for it when obviously they were probably going to miss that two-point conversion. So, you know, Riverboat Ron, I don't even know what to say about him. Um, I guess they're trying to lose the game. I don't know. But uh, clearly they don't think getting Gibson touches is a priority. Um, they, you know, maybe 
they're doing stuff with practice with him or whatever. But at some random point, maybe he becomes the thing. I don't know. Uh, but for now, J.D. McKissick's getting 50% or more of the juice here. He catches passes. He gets targets. In large PPR leagues, he's he's worth owning and maybe even playing sometimes. Um, let's move down to... Oh, and you know what? There's there's a couple backs I, I'm not putting on the list because they're owned too much, but these guys are starting to get dropped in some formats, and they're all really good stashes, like Dobbins and Zach Moss and Cam Akers and Leonard Fournette and Damian Harris. I'm seeing some downward movement in terms of their ownership rates, so um, any of those guys are out there. At the bare minimum, they're phenomenal upside stashes, okay? Um Keep an eye on Naeem Hines. You know, he's one injury away from being a very important player. Um, and then the Jets backs. I mean, ugh, I mean, it sucks to talk about it. But at some point, I think Gase is going to get canned. And when that happens, I think P. Ryan turns into a 90% guy. They're going to take a look at him as a feature back. So I think Michael P. Ryan's a great guy to have on your bench. Uh, you can use him in a pinch. But I think at some point, he could become the lead back because, I mean... You're a rebuilding team, and you're giving Gore all the carries. I mean, obviously, this is Adam Gase land, so, you know, what, whatever. But, um, I mean, Gase has to be close to getting fired. I mean, even the spineless Jets at this point, you know, at some point, you just got to say, hey, we got to stop all this bad press. Uh, let's get this guy out of here. Um, <laughs> then again, it's the Jets. Who the hell knows? Um, and, you know, in addition to Pirine, you know, Gore is a guy who's going to get you a handful of points on most weeks. So if you're hurting this week, uh, you can pick up Frank Gore and play him. It ain't fun, but it's something. Uh, if you're looking for a stash, if you happen to be a James Robinson team and you're getting a little weirded out because he didn't have a good game or whatever, uh, Divino Zigbo is in his return window. So if you've got the bench space, you could pick him up and stash him just to protect yourself. Uh, I will be going through the backs. I know I just mentioned, like, I don't know between 10 and 15 guys just now. Uh, I may add a couple more to the final list. I'm going to go through with a finer tooth comb and, and see what I may have missed uh, this morning. Uh, but let's, go, you know, over, let's get over the receivers because I want to get this thing done uh, in the next eight minutes. And one last uh, little thing on the running backs, which just sort of slid across my uh, screen here. It looks like Tevin Coleman, according to Shanahan, is a long shot for this week. So if everything you're doing is about week seven, Tevin Coleman probably shouldn't be part of your plan. Uh, if you are, you know, trying to restock the bench, get a good stash, that kind of thing, I think Tevin Coleman still makes uh, plenty of sense. Now, at the receivers, there are a ton of guys here. Obviously, in each of your leagues, maybe a couple of these guys are available. Uh, I'm going to rip through this list, which I plot. This is probably the one thing I'm going to be working on most throughout the day, is trying to grind this thing down into some sort of prioritization list. A lot of these guys are way, way close. So I wouldn't beat your brains out on this one. Uh, I'll try to sort of tier them a little bit. And, you know, if you're in a tier, just take one of the guys, be happy about it kind of thing. Um, some guys who could be on the list but don't make it because of ownership percentages but are still good pickups if they happen to be out there t higgins brandon cooks uh and mr Ayuk. um but guys who are still below 50 percent and there's man that this is some unbelievable shit right here chase claypool i mean what are people doing guys pick up Chase Claypool. And hey, sometimes I say guys. I just mean y'all, you know. I, I, I'll, I'll try to get better at that. I know I have some female listeners, and if I'm offending you, that's on me. Uh, I, I, I aim to get better. Uh, but Chase Claypool, folks, pick this guy up. Holy crap. Um, and Mike Williams. 
Chargers, man, I love the fit for the way they're playing now. Obviously, he's always a risk to get hurt, but man, I think this guy's going to score some points. Uh, Sterling Shepard could be back this week. I don't know what Slayton's status is going to be, but boy, he came up hobbling after that touchdown last week, so he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think Sterling Shepard will slot right in as the co-number one on this team once he's back healthy, and if Slayton's out, he could be getting more downfield looks. Um, so Shepard, I think, is somebody to look at. Travis Fulgham once again got it done. I I think we're getting to the point, and obviously with the tight ends dinged up, it does not matter in the near term. This guy's going to be playing. But at some point soon, he's going to have done so much that you know they can't put Baby back in the corner and get the genie back in the bottle. It's just not going to happen. This guy's making too many catches. Wentz obviously likes him a lot and sort of has developed a trust factor here. And he needs some trust factor because Ertz isn't going to be playing for like a month, right? So... Uh, and it sounds to me that we'll talk about Goddard a little bit later. It doesn't sound like Goddard's a high probability to play this week, okay? So, you know, to me, Fulgham is a guy at least for one more week looking at a high target load. So he's a great pickup for one week and maybe for the rest of the season. Tim Patrick, another 100-yard game. Look, we talked about Patrick. He was a guy who was not going to be a factor with Sutton and all these other guys healthy. With Sutton gone, he has stepped into Sutton's role and he's got it. He's playing it. It's going to keep happening. Tim Patrick, 100%, should not be on waiver wires in any league. Um, you know, you know, these other guys are also really good too. They're there's some guys above him on my list, but Tim Patrick, just don't let, don't allow the fact that he's not a big name or that he doesn't, you know, probably isn't going to have a long, you know, uh, you know, you know, career where he's catching a thousand yards every year. He's probably going to be a fourth or third receiver for most of his career, unless he catches a break, you know, goes to a bad team or something. But he has got this gig for the rest of this season. For the rest of this season, think of Tim Patrick as a solid third receiver. Uh, Christian Kirk. Talked about him last week. We love the matchup. There was going to be a lot of opportunity. He's now trending, and now he's got a big game. Kirk needs to be owned in every single fantasy league. His team plays too fast, and he's the number two receiver. I mean, let's that's just reality. LaVisca Chenault, um, playing a little banged up last week. Still love this guy. I think he's going to keep breaking out. Um, Henry Ruggs is healthy now. Uh, he's going to be, I think, higher on this list than where I'm talking about him, if that makes any sense. Jalen Rieger could be back soon. Um, I think next week is possible, um, and he is an explosive monster if he's 100%. Jalen Rieger, great stash player, just great stash player. Uh, Curtis Samuel's fallen between the cracks. Didn't play last week, got dumped in a bunch of leagues. Love Curtis Samuel and some of these good games that are coming up. And the thing about Samuel that's interesting is he could be better in tough matchups when they're looking for different things to do with the football. Um, so I think Curtis Samuel needs to be rostered in all 12-team leagues. Brashad Perryman came back last week, looked, I don't know, I mean, I think he looked pretty healthy. Um, when Darnold comes back, I think this could be a real connection because Darnold throws the routes um, that this guy, I mean, Perryman runs a lot of perimeter routes. He's an aggressive downfield guy. And, you know, he's really sort of a, you know, he's a beggar's Robbie Anderson, you know. And Darnold was brilliant throwing the ball to Robbie Anderson. So I think, you know, the, the Perryman-Darnold connection is something uh, that I think is going to happen over the course of the rest of the season if, and it's a big if, they both stay healthy. Mostly Perryman is what we're concerned about there. Um, Keelan Cole 
looking really good. Uh, I don't think he's losing his job to Westbrook. I think he's a guy in 12-team leagues who can be started as a third receiver, flex kind of play every week. Corey Davis is off the COVID list. Um, now with A.J. Brown back, he may fade a little into the woodwork. We don't know. But certainly in 12-team leagues, he's uh, deserving of a roster spot. Uh, I like the way Randall Cobb has been playing. A second-half surge wouldn't surprise me. I think he's worth, uh, if you've got enough depth, to sort of keep him down there. Uh, same kind of thing with Adam Humphreys. Uh, I think Preston Williams still has breakout potential, and with Devontae Parker getting banged up, uh, I think we can sort of, you know, um, you know, look at him as a potential guy. Uh, now, obviously, he's on the bye this week, so that could sort of change the way you want to prioritize uh, him. Um, look at the injury situation in Pittsburgh. If um, we're going to be um, hang on one second. Yeah, I mean, if if anybody's going to be missing this week in Pittsburgh, I think, uh, you know, um, James Washington is a really good play for this week. If he's going to be the fourth receiver, then not so much. He might be more of a midweek guy to go after. Uh, Zach Pascal's going to continue getting some action. He's worth owning in deeper leagues. Darnell Mooney, same kind of thing. Gabriel Davis, I still think, is an excellent way to hedge if you rely on Smokey Brown or if you rely on Diggs. If either one of those guys goes down, Gabriel Davis will step into a pretty big role. So in deeper leagues, I think he's a nice guy to have behind one of your Bills receivers. Uh, Demarcus Robinson got more juice than Miko Hardman last night. Certainly didn't seem like an accident. Uh, so that's something I seem to have gotten wrong, and I think Mark, uh, Demarcus is worth picking up for this week. Um, let me see here. Yeah. Um, anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, Denzel Mims on the Jets, if you're a non-believer in Perryman, and really even if Perryman's healthy, if Mims gets healthy, they're going to start throwing the ball to him just to see what they have. So I think in deeper leagues, if Mims is out there, you could pick him up as sort of a stash. The same thing goes with John Ross. If he happens to get traded to a team that has a job open for him and a, and a strong-arm quarterback, he could suddenly be a thing. He could also be absolutely nothing, makes him a good stash. And speaking of stashes, and look, I'm sort of talking out of my ass here a little bit, uh, but Antonio Brown... Uh, what he he could be eligible to play starting like what week nine? Uh, I could see a couple of teams that might want to go after him if they you know lack <laughs> the ethics to, to roster him. So you know, look, Antonio Brown could be a thing. He's available in a great many leagues. Um, I'm you know I I would suggest I've done a little digging. I haven't seen anything that you know indicates that he's not going to be eligible to play. Although who knows? Uh, but. You know, if you've got a bench space and you don't have any players to stash, Antonio Brown could be something. All right, let's hit the tight ends and get out of here because we're over time. And the good news is that we're not going to go too far over because the tight ends are pretty easy. Um, first of all, um, as with some of the other positions, there are some guys worth mentioning that are over the threshold. You know, Gronk's a good pickup. Ebron's a good pickup. I think Hooper is going to continue to play well for the next couple weeks. Dalton Schultz. You know, look, last couple weeks have been what I warned you guys about. But by the same token, this guy is, you know, the starting tight end in a high-volume offense. He's going to put up some points every week. We'll have the occasional pop game. So I think Dalton Schultz, you know, he could be your guy. Jimmy Graham, <laughs> he's like a walking corpse, man, but he catches touchdowns. So those guys are all, they can help you. That's fine. The top guy in the under 50% list for me this week is Dallas Goddard. Um, now, probably not coming back this week, I don't think. Maybe they push him due to need. It depends 
you know, I, obviously we don't know that much about this injury. You know, is it something where they can wrap it up and he's, you know, not at high risk? I don't know. We'll find out from Philadelphia. But Goddard, you know, maybe not this week or next, but at some point he's stepping into a target vacuum. So I really like the idea of getting Dallas Goddard if he's out there. Trey Burton, um, probably going to continue to perform, but this is a three you know, tight end situation if everybody gets healthy. So that's something to watch. But I think Burton right now is a guy you can grab and start. Probably do pretty well. Irv Smith had another up game. So it looks like now we have two weeks in a row. That is a little bit of a trend. So I think Irv Smith is a guy, if you're hurting, you could roster him. He's okay. Now, Logan Thomas. Now, this one's interesting. Uh, and I want to do a deeper dive on this game and watch every play again. I saw the game intermittently, and I haven't watched the, the, the wrap-up of it yet. You know, the, the shortened version. Um, but Logan Thomas. Now look, he caught a he caught a touchdown or whatever. That's part of it, but it's it's more how it happened and how some of his other receptions and targets occurred. You know, I spoke about Logan Thomas. I sort of I sort of compared him to um, to Harry and the Patriots, and I didn't like the way they were using him because essentially they were relying on his athleticism to pick up yards after the catch. He's just not that kind of player. We saw it a million times in Buffalo. This guy goes down sort of easy, okay, but. He is a big athletic dude. He can make catches, and he's good in the rough and tumble. I like this guy going downfield and banging into people and being like that classic tight end basketball player type. I think this guy has that kind of ability. Last week, and I don't know if it was the quarterback switch or if they finally said, hey, we need to get this guy some, some deeper route exposure, but his A dot seemed to shift to me. I saw him running routes that I liked for his skill set. If this continues... Logan Thomas could end up being something. So I think Logan Thomas, as a stash, as an, as an emergency option, he might, might be able to help you this week. I definitely am coming up uh, on him based on last week. I was excited to, with what I saw. And I like Logan Thomas as a player. He's a guy who you know came in as a quarterback. He's worked really hard to shift. He's become a better blocker. Um, and he's playing ahead of sprinkles. So you know at this point, I think... Uh, there's a place for him on deeper rosters, in my opinion. Now, the rest of these things are sort of injury-related. Fells is a great start. We talked about it. Whenever he's the tight end, he's worth a start. We saw it again last week. Um, so we'll have to look at the situation with Aikens. If Aikens is going to be back, then it's a split, and both of them are sort of reaches. Uh, Ferkser would be a really good start for the tight ends. If Janu is out, Janu missed the whole second half. Sounds like Janu's probably back. We'll have to sort of see how that shakes out. But if no Janu, you could replace him with Ferkser and you're okay. Uh, Richard Rodgers might be the only viable tight end for the Eagles this week, along with Kroon, whatever his name is. So I think Rodgers in a really deep league could be a, a port in a storm. Uh, and then, uh, sort of like the John Ross move, uh, David Njoku on the Browns is pushing for a trade. Uh, they've got two other tight ends uh, who are probably just as good in their eyes going forward. Um, so I think Njoku probably has, I don't know, 40% chance of getting dealt. If he does get dealt, it's probably going to be to a team that feels like they need a weapon. So Njoku, with his high-end athleticism, I think he's a good stash right now. And then if he doesn't get dealt, you just cut him. Okay, so that's going to do it. Um... For the uh, waiver wire podcast, um, I'm finishing this thing up at about 10:30, so that's going to give me two or three hours uh, this afternoon uh, to continue to sort of grind this waiver wire and see if I missed anything uh, this morning. Uh, I was only halfway through my coffee <laughs> when I comprised this list, so hey, you never know. Anyway, um, hopefully 
your season is going well. I certainly hope it is. I hope Rotobon uh, has been an asset to you this season. Uh, for those who have never donated, consider doing so. Um, I will be back with all the typical stuff this week. I have every intention of getting going early on the rankings um, and getting plenty of DFS stuff out uh, this week. So onward, upward, good luck with your bidding tonight. Giddy up.